generosity. You've been generous to my family, and I, I am very grateful uh, for that. That's been demonstrated towards them, and I just so much appreciate you, you folks, and I appreciate the privilege to minister to you, and I appreciate your willingness to come week after week and listen to me drone on and on. So thank you, and I hope that as we journey through this year, as God orders our steps set together, uh, again, we'll learn a lot from the Word of God, and not just learn, uh, but learn how to live it Amen. and learn how to make it a part of our life because that's the purpose of our study in the Scriptures, not just to have a, a knowledge of Scripture, but be able to understand what our responsibility is in regards to, to that knowledge. So thank you so much. Uh, we had a great time last weekend. We were with my in-laws, and uh, they took off for Florida Thursday. Um, so they're there for the next next couple of months enjoying some Amen. some warmer weather. We'd appreciate your prayers Amen. for them, and uh, looking forward to seeing them when they get back at the end of end of March. But if you would take your Bibles, let's go to Romans Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. We just got done with Christmas. Have you ever gotten? Terrible gift for Christmas. <laughs> What's the worst gift you've ever gotten for Christmas? Everyone's gotten really good gifts? I was trying to think, what's the worst gift I've ever gotten? And I just couldn't think of the worst gift. I guess you put bad things out of your Amen. mind. <laughs> my mind did go back many years ago to a time when my family, our families were together, my mom and my dad, my sister and her family, and uh, Sherry and I and our, our girls, and the girls were little, and my niece was probably five or six, and uh, it was pretty it was pretty comical to me, but she would get a Christmas gift, and she would open, and it would be pajamas, or it'd be a dress, and her face would just, <laughs> and her mother would say, now Julia, say, say thank you, and she didn't want any part of those kind of Christmas gifts at all as a five and six year old. Her mother was very very horrified at the actions of her, her daughter. I thought it was hilarious uh, because she just wasn't getting what she wanted. She wanted something fun. There's nothing fun about pajamas. As a six-year-old, that means you have to go to bed and go to sleep. You don't want to do that. Hey, at our age, give us some pajamas. We're headed to bed. Hey, hey I've taught this class long enough. You guys don't need pajamas to go to sleep. <laughs> But probably if we're honest with ourselves, the worst gift that we've all gotten, Paul is describing for us in Romans chapter 5, and that's the gift, if you want to call it such, that we received from Adam. That was the gift of death. Mm -hmm. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Paul reminds us that it was by Adam's, by Adam's sin, death was passed upon all of mankind. And we began a couple of weeks ago in this particular passage as we look at that particular verse, the first thing that comes up into the American mind is, you know what, that's not fair. Why did Adam sin, and as a result of Adam's sin, do we have to, to suffer? Why are, the, why are we held responsible for Adam's sin? And as Paul goes through this particular dialogue here, and as we continue on in this journey of, of finishing up Romans chapter 5, we're going to see not only was it fair, it was right, and it was wise on the part, on the part of God. 
So in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Paul introduces this section. Uh, wherefore, because he just talked about the fact that we've been justified by, by the death of Christ, that we've received atonement through Christ. Well, why did we receive atonement? Because we were condemned as sinners because of Adam. And as a result, all of us have sinned as a result of, of being in, in Adam. And then in verse 13, Paul comes to, to bringing, coming back to, to talking about the law. Now remember, part of the audience that he's writing to in context here are not just Gentiles, but he's writing to Jews. And part of the issue with the Jews is, is we're special people. We are chosen by God, and we have that cho- uh, we, we, we can demonstrate that choosing by God because we have been given the law, and we have been circumcised by the law. And so they put all their eggs into the basket of, hey, this is, we have the law, we have circumcision, we are God's chosen, chosen people. But from Adam to Moses, God didn't, get, didn't give the law until Mount Sinai. So there were 2,500 years where there was no Mosaic no law. Now, there was laws and there were commandments. There were standards. How do we know that? Well, Cain. Cain did that which was wicked and evil. He slew Abel as a result of having an offering that wasn't acceptable to God. Somewhere, God had communicated that this was the offering that was to be given to him in order to be atoned for any sins that were given. In Genesis chapter, I think it's chapter 19, chapter 18, chapter 19, God comes down and he tells Abraham, I'm going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? They are wicked and they are evil. Right? Now, in order for something to be wicked and evil, there's going to be something good and right. There has to be something to compare it to. So obviously there were, there were standards and there were, there were expectations that God had for mankind, uh, even in the book of Genesis before the Mosaic Law was given. So as Paul is, is talking here in verse verse 13, uh, again he's pointing out to the Jews uh, that that the law was not given to save man, but rather the law was given to reveal how sinful man is. Right? The reality is we don't keep the Ten Commandments, do we? In fact, in the New Testament it says if you break one, you broke them all. You say, hey, I'm not a murderer, I'm not an adulterer, I'm not a thief, I'm not a, I'm not a coveter. The scripture says you, you do one of those, you violate a commandment of God. You, you, have, you are guilty, you are guilty of all. So what the law does is it, is it magnifies the sinfulness of, of mankind. And so as, as Paul goes down through this, he's, he's making this point to, to his readers, right? And uh, as he comes down to the end of verse 14 and 15, this is where we left off uh, last time that I taught, uh, Paul writes the statement at the end of verse 14. Well, let me read verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. This was part of the curse, death. When you read Genesis chapter 5, uh, there's a list of of genealogies, and it says that so-and-so lived, they begat, and they died. All right, why did they die? Because they were in Adam. That was a result of the fall of man in Genesis in Genesis chapter 3. So nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Notice the statement, who is the figure of him that was to come. 
For as by the offense, I'm sorry, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, one many be dead, much more the grace of God. And the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. All right? Now, let me go back to that, to that last phrase in verse 14. What Adam is doing is he says, here's Adam. Adam is a type, a typology. All right? And the type that he's presenting is, is similar to Christ, but it's, it's really what we call an anti-type. All right? it's, it's, it's an antithesis of what Christ did, but yet in the same way they're similar. Because Adam's sin, sin was passed on to all generations. Right? You, you, we've talked about this before in the class. All right? When you hold that beautiful little precious baby in your hands, granddaughter, grandson, great-granddaughter, great-grandson, at their very core they are what? They're sinful. They're sinful. Right? Um, and all that happens is they grow up to be bigger sinners because they're born in in Adam and in sin. Right? That's imputation. We were we were had sin credited to our account because of Adam's sin. But when Christ came, right? When Christ came and he died upon the cross of Calvary. And we accepted Christ as our personal Savior. What did God do? What did he impute unto us? Righteousness. righteousness right? The righteousness of Christ. So everybody in the family of Christ has had imputed unto them Christ's righteousness, which gives us a relationship with God. Not anything we did, Amen. but it was what... Christ did. So Adam is a type, right? We, we are sinners because of imputa imputation. We are made righteous in Christ because of, of imputation, right? So, so Paul wants us to see, to see this, this figure, this, this, this parallel. And so he, he makes great emphasis upon this in verses 16 and 17 and 18. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Right? Now get that. Right? Verse 16, and, it, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. Adam sinned, sinned once. Did, did one sin. One sin. I, I, I was talking to my seniors on Friday, and I, I said, uh, I told them, I said, what, what, what would happen? If I called and I named a senior out and I said, if I brought him into my office and I called his parents into my office and I told them, I said, I'm going to have to expel your son. I said, he went into the cafeteria and there was a bowl of fruit sitting upon the counter and it said, do not eat. Students are not to eat. And he took of the fruit and he ate of it. He disobeyed. And as, I'm a, as a result, I'm going to expel him from school. Now, you know what the seniors did? You know what their initial reaction was? <laughs> they laughed. <laughs> they laughed. Yeah. I said, I want you to stop, step, step back and think. Why, why were Adam and Eve cast out of the Garden of Eden? Because they ate the fruit. Yes. Yeah, they, they, ate of the, they ate of the fruit that God told them not to not eat of. Right. They disobeyed the designated authority that or not the authority that was over them. Right? They had disobeyed. They had disobeyed God. In our mind, we have a, a propensity to categorize sin. Sin is the same. Consequences of sin are different. Right? But all sin is the same. 
And we tend to minimize certain And I think what Paul is, 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 is trying to picture here is we need to, again, understand the seriousness, the seriousness of sin. One sin, and all of mankind, you and I, were condemned. And it wasn't even our sin. It was Adam's sin. But notice Paul goes on, in like manner, in verse, in verse uh, 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 16, and he says, but he says, so is the gift. For the judgment but was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Now, Picture with me, if you would, a gentleman is in, the, is in the forest, and he takes a small match, and he lights it, and he sets some dry leaves on fire. And after a short time, that fire begins to grow, and it continues to grow, and it continues to grow until all, acres and acres of forestry are under condemnation. What started that? One, one match, one small match. But let's say it was possible for one man to come in and in one action put out the flames of fire over the acres of all this forest. Do you understand that's what Christ did? Amen. Mm -hmm. Adam sinned once and all men became sinners. And it spread throughout the forest of humanity. But Christ came, and by his atoning death, he was able to put out the entire forest fire that Adam had begun. Do you get why Paul says, much more? Much more the grace of God? Much more the abundance, the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness but look at the ver end of verse 17 he says much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one jesus christ what does it mean to reign in life by jesus christ Now picture with me. What is sin is one dimensional. Adam's sin was one dimensional. It just brought about death. Right? Now, along with death, of course, came came sickness and and all kinds of other things uh, into this world. But it ultimately, all leads to to death. Here's the reality: we're all going to die unless Jesus comes back. That's right. Okay? Nothing we can do to stop that. Nothing we can do to hinder that. Uh, death. You know, I've been struck with that, that reality over the, the Christmas break. Many of you, some of you are aware of the fact that uh, we had a parent in our school. <clears throat> On Christmas Eve morning, his wife went to wake him up. And during the course of the evening, he passed away, 31 years old. 
Um, I was watching a football game the other day, LSU and Oklahoma. That wasn't much of a game, but I watched it. And, uh, you know, the, the, the storyline wasn't the football game. It was the fact that one of the coaches, uh, their, their daughter-in-law had gotten in an airplane, 30 years of age. That plane didn't make it very far, crashed and killed everybody on board. Again, noted the fact that the death is imminent. All a result of, of, Adam's, of Adam's sin. But we stop and think of the fact that Christ came and in him we have life. We have much more. And he says, we reign. We reign in life. What does that mean? What do we have in Christ? Do we just, do we have just eternal life? In John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus says, I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Well, what does that mean? Sin doesn't reign over your life anymore. Okay, so rain, death, death is not something to dread. Death is not something to fear. I tell people, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of how I'm going to die, but I'm not afraid of dying. Okay? I'm a sissy. I don't like pain. Okay? You know? I, I want to be like, and I don't minimize what happened to this family. I, I want to I go to sleep and wake up in heaven. That's right. I just don't want to hurt. Okay? Or I, I, I want to go on a big bus load. I just want the trumpet to sound, and I just want to go on a big bus load okay? with everybody else. Right? So I'm, I'm not afraid. I'm not just afraid how I'm going to die. So, so death doesn't reign. I don't have to fear. I don't have to fear death. Okay? What else does that mean? Is that, is that all it means? See, oftentimes we think salvation is, is a get-out-of-hell-free card. I'm okay. I got, I got my get-out-of-hell-free card, and I can continue on in life. Is that what the Christian life is all about? What does it mean to reign? What does it mean to have abundant life? Well, it says here abundance of grace in my in my right Bible. But uh, that's says that in my I Bible too. It. Yeah, well, <laughs> I meant the way it was worded. Right. But anyway, uh, <coughs> what I like is not only the phrase "much more," but also abundance of grace. That's what gets me every from one day to the next. I know that God, uh, you know, that I was given grace. What, what, so, so when we talk about the grace of God, I want to kind of get down to where the, the, the rubber meets. What do we mean the grace of God? So what, what graces do we experience? I, I, the one I, I experience every day that I'm very grateful is the grace of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the grace of forgiveness. I don't, I'm not worthy of forgiveness, but yet God, yeah. God forgives me every time. Right. I'm not worthy of that but, but I experienced the grace of forgiveness. Jesus says the grace of protection. I mean, stop and consider all that we do. I'm not going to mention Ken Carter's name at all in here this, this morning, but you know he, he was challenged to a race yesterday okay, at the ball game. Right? You ask him how it finished. It did not finish well for him. Okay? <laughs> He lost to a woman and embarrassed himself in front of a bunch of people in the gymnasium. Okay? <laughs> can I say this? And you can tell him this. He experienced the grace of protection last night. Okay? And we can laugh at him, but you know what? We've done some pretty foolish things in our lifetime too, haven't we? And God, God in his grace protects us. Okay? Grace of forgiveness. Grace of protection. What the grace of family? I was thinking about that this morning, just as I, as I was praying. Just What, what a blessing. To have family, Amen. not just have not just have, but family I can have a relationship with. And, and you know, I, and I was I was praying for my dad this morning. I was thanking God for my dad, and, and not, not not only that I'm his son by blood, but I'm I'm part of his family in Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
What a, what a grace that is to know and to experience. What else? Any other graces you experience each and every day? Absolutely. I, I was I, I, I'm in my journey in the book of Genesis, and I was at the end of Genesis this morning. Joseph is with his with his brothers, and and he says, you know, God put me here. God put me here to preserve us. Now, as I was as I was thinking about that, I thought. I wonder if Joseph, it doesn't, you know, everything we read about Joseph is good and perfect. Now, he was a human being. He was an Adam. And I asked myself, and I even asked God, when Adam was being carted away by the Ishmaelites, was he going, what have those morons done? Why do they do this to me? I cannot believe, and, and begin to complain and bellyache. When he was tossed into jail, into the prison, I mean, was he despondent? Did he question? But yet, when it comes to the end, Joseph looks back and he says, you know what? I see, I see God's sovereign hand in every step of the way, and I can see now why God did what he did. Have you ever, have you ever gone through situations in your life? Mm -hmm. yes. And you're going, what in the world is going on? Why is this happening? And then we turn around and we look. Someone told, told us, you ever, you ever gotten a, a, a fabric, a piece of fabric, and it has a beautiful picture on the front? Have you ever turned it around? What's on the back side? A mess. A mess. In life, most of us see the mess, but if we just turn it around, we see a beautiful portrait that God's painted in His grace. In His grace. We have the grace of strength that we have when we go through difficulties of life. I probably can get a hearty amen that getting older is not for sissies. Is it? You think life was tough when you were young. It's a lot tougher when you get older, isn't it? But you know, it's God's grace that carries us through these difficult times. Through the hardship. He's good always. So much more. So when we, when we stop and think about what we have in Christ, what we receive through the imputation of righteousness and the relationship that we have with God, we have so much more than what we could even imagine. Do you have a question? Statement? Uh, yeah. Something to I say. Don't, <laughs> I don't want no pity party, but on account of my heart, Mr. Hayworth, you'd be surprised how much strength it takes for me to get ready to come to church. I mean, I don't want nobody to start to cry or nothing. We're not, we're not going to Sit down, put my socks on, sit there a minute, get up, put my pants on, sit down for a minute and rest. But now it is a battle to get ready to come to church. We're glad you're I here. Mean, In God's grace and strength, you experience each and every day. I pray, pray every, every Sunday morning that he'll give me strength enough to come to this Sunday school class. 
Amen. Well, thank you for your faithfulness. You know, again, a testimony of God's grace, a testimony of, of faithfulness to God. I appreciate that. Why? Because we have so much more in God, in Christ. So much more. Yeah, I, I just want to share this. I don't want a pity party either. But uh, I just wanted to share this. Many, many years ago when um, I was married to another person, uh, we came upon a little girl that was two years old, and we tried for years to have children. And the mother had her taken away, and they were offering for us to take her. <coughs> And um, <coughs> we took her. My heart was full. And while we had her, after years of trying, I became pregnant with my first son. And then we were very strong in the Lord. And God took her and gave her back to mom. And that broke my heart. But I kept saying, Lord, I know that there's another, I know that in the future, I will understand, but right now I don't, you know, but I know that in the future, I will understand, and I remember praying that, and this has been almost 40 years ago, so, um, I, you know, I look back now, and I understand, but it's so odd that back then, I did not, I thought there was no good reason for that to happen. But I look back, and now I see where my life went and how things worked out and what things happened through my life, and I think maybe that's why God, you know, did what he did. I don't know exact reasons, but I can see why now right. as a Christian. Right. So right. it's gone full circle, and that's a good thing to remember and know. Right. Because uh, that has really impacted me in my life. Very good. Very good. All of this because we're in Christ. Yeah. Right. All of this. So much more. And, and so many of you could testify the fact of God's, God's grace. God's grace in the loss of a loved one. God's grace in the midst of, of cancer. God's grace in the midst of other, other health issues or financial issues or family issues. Uh, God's grace so much abounds more and more. In our life, and that's that's the picture Paul's Paul's getting to. It's not the law. In fact, he comes back to the law in verse twenty, and he says, "Moreover, the law entered that the offense might might abound." In other words, he's saying, I, "I'm bring the law was solely for the purpose to show us we we in ourselves can't can't be righteous. We can't be righteous. There are people in this world today who think, hey, I'm okay. I'm good.'" But what God did in his laws, he pointed out to mankind, we're not good. Amen. <clears throat> There's not a one of us that can keep God's expectation of righteousness and holiness. And so the law was given. Right? That's what he's saying here in verse 20. The law was given so that we might see uh, our, our, uh, how offensive we are before God. And the fact that sin Sin continues to abound. But then he goes on. Verse 20. Grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death. Sin brought about the demise of mankind. 
he closes by saying, Even so, might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. God has provided everything necessary for the redemption of all of mankind. For the, hu- the whole human race. One man brought sin into this world. But God in his love and his wisdom and his grace brought righteousness into this world through one man as well. Every man has a choice. What Adam? What Adam am I going to choose to follow? What Adam am I going to choose to live in? Am I going to continue to live in the first Adam? The one that brought sin into this world and into humankind? Or am I going to choose to live in Christ who brings in righteousness? I'll get your hopes up. I'm bringing this to a close here this morning. And I got two questions for you. Do you believe truly that God is the redeemer of all mankind? And if so, is it a mess is it a message that you are taking to share with others? See, we have the greatest story to share with people. That's right. And that's the fact that God's there waiting to redeem mankind. I stopped and thought of our church. I thought of this Sunday school class. And I thought of my responsibility that I have to this ministry. You know, my main responsibility is, of course, obviously in the school, but really greater than that is my responsibility as a part of this body of believers (coughs) is to evangelize. And I I stand before you as, as one that I struggle with that. I struggle with that. Some it has to do with the fact that I'm here. I'm amongst belief, well, professing believers all day long. I don't, I don't cross paths a whole lot with the community because I spend most of my time here. So I have to make an intentional effort in 2020 to share the gospel. Why? Because this world, when it's born, is born into Adam, that first Adam. It's lost and on its way to a Christless eternity. My responsibility is to share that gospel. Can I challenge you? Can I challenge you this year to ask God to bring one person into your life, an unsaved person into your life? And may you pray for them diligently that God would give you the opportunity to talk and to share with them the gospel. That would be your focus. That would be your one this year. And stop and think what would happen if every one of us could lead one person to Jesus Christ this year and bring them into the body of believers. Stop and think. There's, I don't know how many are here this morning. 50? 58. That'd be 58 more people that would not be on their way to hell, but would know the imputation of righteousness through Jesus Christ into their life. 
And stop and think what would happen in 2121 if those 116 people now who are saved went out and said, I'm going to make it my focus to lead people to Jesus Christ. You'd have, what, 200 and, if my math is right, 32 people now as a part of believers. If we would just focus on one, we have a wonderful, tremendous message to share with people. And my challenge to you as we close this chapter and as we start this new year is that we focus on sharing the gospel with those that are around us. Just one. Just one. And can I challenge you as we, as we even gather for prayer to bind together? You know, we're, we're, we're and I don't, I'm not using this as a beatdown, just we're quick to share, hey, we have needs, we have physical needs, we have health needs, we have family needs, and we need to continue to pray for those. But how about for the souls of mankind? Should we be not as body of believers praying for the salvation of those that we cross paths with day in and day out? Okay, this, is, this is our responsibility. And we're not too old to serve, by the way. That's in that right. Amen. We're not too old. So may God help us this year to be sharing the wonderful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may we see Union Grove Baptist Church, may we see the Ambassador Bible Fellowship, grow as a result of our faithfulness in proclaiming the message of the gospel. There's a lost world out there. They need to hear. And how, how will they not hear? Or how will they hear if we don't, if we don't tell That's them? Right. We'll come back and we'll start Romans chapter 6 next week and uh, continue on our journey through Romans. But any other comments? Kind of just an overview this morning. Nothing real big in depth here this morning. Uh, but any other questions or comments about our passage today? I want to say thank you for the challenge. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. So much more. <coughs> Father, we, we experience so much, so much of your grace. There's so much in the abundant life. We have, we have eternal life. We have security in that eternal life. We are, we are royal priests. Father, we have the privilege of, even right now, coming into your very presence, not because we're good, but because Christ is righteous and that righteousness has been imputed in us, is, is, is the purpose and reason we step into your presence this morning, unworthily in our humanity, but worthy in Christ. And I thank you for that. And thank you that we can lay our burdens, our cares, our needs at the foot of our God. And know, Lord Jesus, that, that your grace will meet each and every one of those needs in your way and in your purposes to bring you glory. And I pray that in our lives we would endeavor to bring you glory. Father, through the hardships, there are, there are families that are, are walking through valleys of, of great difficulty right now. Father, cancer treatments, uh, surgeries, rehabilitations. Father, there are moments of discouragement and despondency. Father, help us to draw our attention upon you, to focus upon your grace, your strength, your provision that we have in you through Christ. And may we glory in the goodness of God in our lives. Father, there are scores of people around us that are lost and on their way to a Christless eternity. God, would you give in our hearts a burden for these people that we know, for these people whose paths we cross each and every day. 
I don't know who they are in the lives of these people, but I think of individuals that I, that I cross paths with on a regular basis that need to hear the gospel. Give us boldness. God, help us to with a passion to share the love of God with these folks and what the love of God has done for us in our own lives. And I pray that amongst the members of our class in 2020, that we would see people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. God, you've commissioned us to go into this world, to go into our world, and to make disciples. And so, Father, help us to be faithful in our obedience to that command in 2020. And help us to be fervent in our passion to live out Christ and to share Christ, that you would be lifted up and you would be glorified. Father, be in the service now to come. I pray that the power of the Scripture would continue to flow through the these facilities and in the hearts and the minds of each and individual who sits under the sound word of God of your word this morning. I pray that, that there's someone on our campus that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, from the youngest to the oldest, that today would be their day of salvation, today would be their accepted time. I pray, Father, for the believers that we would be we would be yielded and surrendered to you. God, we make the choices and decisions that would bring ourselves into conformity to your word and to the image of Christ that we become more Christ-like uh, as we leave here today. We love you. Thank you so much for the wonderful gift of salvation. Thank you for the privilege of studying God's Word together. Order our steps that we would do that, which is acceptable in your sight this morning. For we ask this in my precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.